Over the past month, I've been interviewing my friends to find out the tools they use to manage their list of to-dos. I keep them in a Google Doc, one friend told me. I keep it in multiple Google Docs, said another friend. Each one is dated, and when I think I'm no longer serious about following a list, I simply create another one with a new date. One guy used Evernote. Best of all was a friend of mine who explained how his to-do lists are memorialized with stickies on his bedroom wall, much to the chagrin of his wife. On the wall, he creates title tags for different columns. Work, family, fitness, hobbies, health, bills, apartment, and errands. For each task, he writes down the to-do item on a sticky note and then places it on the wall below the appropriate heading. When the to-do item is completed, he throws the sticky note away. While the tools were all different, the one thing that everyone seemed to have in common was a general feeling of failure when it came to crossing enough things off their list and an abiding belief that there was too much to do in too little time. Everyone seemed to be searching for that magic elixir to offload their work. I often wonder how technology can improve our lives. One place in particular that fascinates me is to identify tasks that technology can handle so they don't need to appear on any to-do list, and just as importantly, not occupy space in my mind. I read once about the dressing habits of people like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, who seemingly wear the same outfit every day. Upon closer inspection, it turns out that both men have multiple identical pants and identical shirts. The reason for wearing the same outfit every day it means they don't have to think about what to wear in the morning. If you always wear the same thing, then there's no decision to make. If you don't have to decide what to wear, then you can think about other things that will make you more productive. How you might ask are to-do lists and clothes connected to the topic I'm currently examining, which is the future of the smart home. In previous episodes, I talked about how a smart thermostat or smart lighting could save me money and only turning on when I'm in a room in need of heat or air conditioning or light. That's interesting. But what's more exciting, infinitely more exciting to me, is if a smart home could offload so many of the decisions I have to make that they don't occupy space in my mind. I'd love for the smart home to offload decisions and work by making some decisions and doing some work. Fewer decisions means more time for me to focus on the things that really matter. You're listening to Predicting Our Future. I'm Andrew Weinrich. This podcast explores current industries that are ripe for massive disruption, as well as some of the most exciting opportunities for entrepreneurs to explore. This is the last episode in a series about the future of the smart home, and my prediction that in the near future, the smart home will change the way you live. In the last episode, I looked at the home as the future hub of some of your purchases and spoke with Walmart and Amazon about their visions for replenishment. In this episode, I'll paint a picture of what I think the future looks like and explore how smart homes will use personas to fulfill our needs before we're aware of them. How would it work for a smart home to free me of some of my decision-making? How could it lighten the load for me, literally and figuratively? Let's imagine a day together. You wake up in the morning and your alarm goes off. It's not a buzzer. You want to discover new music on Spotify, and this song is on your suggested Discover Weekly list. What's really interesting, though, is not the song. It's the fact that you didn't have to set the alarm the night before. That's because there's some level of intelligence in the cloud that's watching over you and trying to simplify your life. It knows that today you have a spin class because it checked your workout goals, which then checked availability for a class at SoulCycle, which then purchased the class, which then put it on your calendar. 
The system was smart enough to calculate travel time and set the alarm appropriately. You stagger out of bed and walk down the stairs to the kitchen. The coffee just finished brewing. You have your smart home to thank for that. Your yogurt and granola is ready in the exact proportions you want inside the refrigerator. The refrigerator knew earlier in the week that you were running low on breakfast foods and placed an order online. You're in a rush, so you walk out the door and leave for the gym. There's no time to set the alarm or draw the blinds, which is something you do when you leave the house so that people can't look in while you're away. You don't think to turn off the music or the lights or lower the heat as you won't need to heat the house to 72 degrees while you're away. It's not that you forget to do all of those things. You just don't have to think about them because the house knows that you left. It knows to lock the door behind you, to turn off the coffee maker, to pull the blinds, to reduce the heat, to shut off the music and to turn off the lights. Today is shopping day. Really, every day is shopping day. The sensors in your drawers measure the toilet paper that is left and the sensors in the closet monitor cleaning supplies and laundry detergent. You're running low on a few things. The online order is placed. When it arrives, the cameras at your front door will recognize the FedEx truck and coordinate with the lock to pop open your front door. The delivery man's picture will be taken and a gentle voice will come on over your speakers, asking him to set down the packages just inside the house. Cameras will be watching him from beginning to end and the door will close on its own behind him when he leaves. Your home's robot then proceeds to unpack the items and place them where they belong. After a long day at work, it's time to return home. As you leave the office and get in your car, your home is alerted that you're on your way. The house begins to heat up. When you pull into the driveway and walk up your stoop to the front door, you pause briefly for a retinal scan. It's you. The house knows and opens the front door. You are represented by a persona to the smart home that you partially configured and that the house has partially developed on you based upon patterns it was able to recognize through sensors and cameras. This is artificial intelligence in the cloud, at work, in your home. There are a couple of big objectives you set for yourself this past New Year's. You want to eat healthier and lose some weight. You are also hoping to find a routine at night that might help with your anxiety and sleep. Your sleep has been uneven for quite some time. The diet, the anxiety-reducing routine, and the sleep hygiene are all associated with your persona in the cloud that the house is now relying on to welcome you home. Your wife isn't home just yet, so the lights in your entryway are adjusted to a calming setting as the music comes on, which is so faint and melodic that it fades into the background. Dinner tonight will be fresh salmon and steamed vegetables selected for you by the cloud based on your objectives and tastes, which are all part of the persona. The ingredients are there in the refrigerator, which were delivered and put there a day earlier. You start cooking so that when your wife arrives, dinner will be ready. After dinner, you retire to the den while your wife goes to the office. The smart home has created a different persona for your wife and would have greeted her differently if she had come home from work before you. A gentle chime comes on over the speakers followed by a voice telling you that the big game starts in 10 minutes. For your wife, a voice announces it's time for her to begin the 90 minutes of work she wanted to do before going to bed. The blinds are pulled, lights are dimmed, and TV is turned on for you while your wife has different background music and lighting in the office. For both of you, your watches read your internal temperatures and blood pressures, signaling the house to adjust the temperature fans and lighting accordingly. You don't have to worry about cleaning up. In the morning after you both leave for work, your home robot will pick up after you and then the vacuum cleaner will vacuum the house. You both like listening to a meditative app before sleep. Wind down begins promptly at 10 p.m. 15 minutes later, with the breathing exercises finished, you both go to bed. Lights out. That's my take on a single day in the future of a smart home. 
I thought it would be interesting to hear someone else's take on a day in the smart home who has been thinking about this topic for much longer than I have and is generally considered an expert in the space. This is John Barrett, founder and director of the Nimbus Center at Cork Institute of Technology, where his research focuses on the internet of things. You wake up in the morning and you're in this smart home. Tell me your day. In that case, I guess what I'm looking for is to be completely unburdened. If I'm that dedicated to my work, then I don't want to be bothered by mundane daily tasks. So I'm the person who will want the coffee to be made automatically. I'm the person who will want my daily schedule um, automatically aligned with public services or with um, driverless car sharing. I want a driverless car to arrive at my door the minute I step out it. So I don't want to have to waste the time to go and wait for public transport services. I don't want to waste the time of um, adjusting my lighting. I want everything done for me so that I can focus on what's most important um, for me. So in that case, I guess you're looking at the smart response of home. And I think this will cover the lifespan, a home that understands my needs so that I don't have to necessarily express them or do things that I might wish to avoid so I can focus on something else. What are those needs? Let's look at a possible evolution. At the moment, say I have one of the smart home listening devices, like Alexa or one other of, one other of those speakers. At the moment, I have to tell it what I want. I think the home of the future will know what I want, perhaps even before I know it. And the home is integrated into my wider smart network. There is a whole immense body of data out there about me. In 20 years' time, there would have been so, much, so many analytics applied to that, that conceivably it would be possible to anticipate my every need, even as those needs evolve over my lifetime. We will move, I think, from consciously having to command technology. And just like we're moving away from keyboards, and using mice and to be able to speak the technology, we'll move to the situation where we don't need to do any of that. Just like when I was small and growing up, there was no technology. The technology will fade into the background to a certain extent in terms of having to interact with it or to command it. And if I move home, I'd like my preferences to move with me so that whatever home I move into, it adapts to my individual personal preferences. Just like at the moment, if you're perhaps hiring cars, you can carry with you your preference for seat position and, and everything else. So we're looking, I think, at a smart home for me is one that adapts to my individual personal needs, even understands them and anticipates them, however minimal those are. During the course of the interviews for this podcast series, I've had occasion to speak with leaders at some of the largest technology companies in the world that are focused on the smart home, as well as some exciting startups with plans to fundamentally disrupt the space with new smart home products. If you've listened to the episodes before this, within this smart home series, you should already be familiar with all of these people. With each of them, I shared some version of my vision of the future that I just shared with you. In particular, this idea that personas will play a central role in the development of smart home intelligence. In many industries, when you interview an ambitious leader, 
he or she will talk with you about how they will reinvent factory-built housing or the fitness space or retail. In some industries, though, people will talk about how they are part of an ecosystem, and their success is in large part predicated on the success of other companies in the ecosystem. In the case of the smart home, almost all of the interviewees talked about a future where the holy grail was a home driven by artificial intelligence. Think of artificial intelligence as computing power that is able to perform particularly complex tasks that you would otherwise think would require a human brain to perform. A motion sensor might trigger a light to turn on, but if a home had artificial intelligence, it might consider the time of day, the person walking around the home, and where she was walking in deciding which light to turn on and how long to keep it on for. Not every interviewee uses the words artificial intelligence in their interviews. A hot phrase you'll hear again and again is that a house needs to be aware or contextually aware before you can bring artificial intelligence into the home. Let's imagine the universe of things a house can be aware of. It can be aware of the presence of the people who live in the house along with their personas. It can be aware of what they're doing. It can even be aware of what every device in the house is doing. If you want the house to think like a human, the house needs to be able to analyze the data a human would analyze before making a decision. Each interviewee had a different vision and description of how and where this awareness would first occur. Scott Harkins is the VP of IoT Partner Programs at Honeywell Connected Home and Buildings, which offer smart devices for thermostats, security systems, and water leak detectors. Harkins described a home's awareness as beginning before I even get to my front door. As the cloud and AI machine learning get better and better and better, we can drill down deeper and deeper into what we can do. Today, um, you know, there's some simple things like facial recognition uh, with a camera. We're not far today, uh, literally, <laughs> from when somebody walks in their front door, the security system or the camera, whether they're DIY or professionally installed, recognizing who that person is. Oh, look, it's Andrew. All right. Make the house 72 degrees. Set up the lighting to be at the mid-dimmer point. He needs to go to bed because he has a meeting tomorrow we've integrated with his calendar. So let's shut the blinds. Yeah, I think that stuff, all of that is coming. So I think there's some everyday use cases that make sense. And the one I just mentioned, I think totally makes sense, right? Hey, it's, it's mom coming in the front door versus dad. Let's make sure the house is set up like mom wants it. The everyday making my house... Uh, interact the way I want it without having to think about it, I think is kind of what that machine learning, that artificial intelligence will bring to the table. So, hey, I'm coming home. Dad just broke the geofence and it knows it's dad coming. So get to the temperature properly, get the lighting set up right, maybe unlock the door before I get there. Um, I think all of that's legitimate. Uh, tying over to calendars and events, I think, is a completely realistic um, and, and meaningful plan. So th think about, right, I, I flew from just today from New York uh, to Louisville here. And already today, my apps, you know, I woke up at four o'clock, my app said your flight's on time. It's at this gate. <laughs> it had me set up. There's no reason the home can't use those same type of notifications to make a more holistic experience, right? So that when you're waking up in the morning and your calendar says you have a 4 a.m. Uh, alarm and a 7 a.m. flight, you know, think about the way your lighting comes on, right? And and the way your house sets up for the morning. You know, it's cold off at night, so you save some energy and sleep better. 
it warms up just prior to waking up, even if you, you know, it's not a um, schedule-based wake up. I, I, every day I'm in a different city. I wake up at a different time. I think, I think I'm part of um, kind of a new way of working in the world where schedules, you know, specific schedules, not very many exist anymore. So I might be up at 4 a.m. this morning. I might be up at 6 a.m. tomorrow, and I might be up at 8 a.m. on Sunday. And the house needs to adapt to that and not just assume I'm going to do those things. And I think that technology exists. And I think there are a lot of companies, including Honeywell, that are working towards what are the most meaningful high-value use cases. Sridhar Kumarswamy is the general manager at Philips Lighting, which offers smart light bulbs and the lighting system Hue. Like Scott, Sridhar also spoke to me about the home being aware of its inhabitants. He expanded on how a contextually aware home could differentiate between person A and person B so that it could respond differently to each person. You're now talking about one of those <laughs> most vexing of all the issues, right? The idea of a multi-user environment, how to get contextually aware, uh, situationally responsive uh, gadgets. So um, that remains a vision for us, and that is not the case right now, okay? So we are in a situation, I will explain my personal uh, experience. So as I walk into my kitchen, we have three different light settings in my kitchen, okay? There is a personal light setting that I prefer as I cook in my kitchen, but it is different from my wife, okay? In, in case my wife walks in, we don't take our mobile phones out, we just have our huge tap on the wall, so we just recall the scene that we prefer as we are in the kitchen uh, preparing our stuff. So uh, you would imagine that our roadmap will eventually take us to um, a, a situation where uh, the lighting system is very aware who it is walking in, whether it is Rita or my wife, Usha, uh, as she walks in, uh, her preferred light setting would pop up. So uh, how this is going to be managed over the next 18 to 24 months uh, is what we are busy with at this point of time. How do you get a lighting system where much of the interfaces is manual still, and uh, and there is a certain level of automation that's possible using sensors. So how do you actually get it from there through to totally, let's say, contextually aware and situationally relevant light setting? So that's what we're working towards. Can you walk us through conceptually how that would work with sensors? As it stands right now, our sensors play a very uh, defined role. It, it actually detects presence and it is agnostic towards who is walking in, right? So that is where we start off. But we do have sensible defaults and based on those defaults, it actually responds. But into the future, what we do anticipate is to gather more information about uh, the activities in our home. And that is not just using our presence a sensor, but it could, for instance, uh, uh, involve information gathered through beacons. Uh, it could in, uh, involve information that we gathered through other products uh, and other uh, smart appliances in that vicinity. And triangulation of information that we gather from these different sources should give us a hypothesis concerning uh, the identity of the person or people walking into a given room. Uh, but we should never uh, rule out the possibility that when there is going to be a response, that it may not be in sync with what the users at that point of time or a user is expecting. Uh, and that's why we also are exploring the idea of learning. So how do you actually uh, get this uh, platform launched and get it to adapt as the user gives feedback over time? I mean, are you saying between you and your wife, more often than not, you cook, not her. If the stove is a connected appliance, then you would intuit that it's you that walked into the room because you're cooking. I mean, I'm trying to understand 
literally how you would derive that it's you in a room and not your wife? As I say, um, uh, Andrew, so at this point of time, we have ideas with regards to how we can get there. So, and that would obviously uh, uh, involve data points concerning uh, the user. It could involve data points coming from any of my variables. It could come through uh, data points concerning uh, the previous light setting that that has been uh, invoked uh, or uh, an awareness on the part of the lighting system as to who is inside the home, if indeed both of us have been out and I'm the guy that is stepping in. So uh, it would already know that it is me that has stepped into the home and the other person has not yet. So we would like to uh, get to a situation where it becomes progressively more intuitive and we don't have the path towards nailing the identity of the different users within a home uh, in a given space um, uh, uh, with 100% certainty at this point of time. We only have a path towards progressively intuitive system and that is how we are going to be pushing it. Jeff Patton is General Manager of Connected Home Products at GE Lighting, which offers smart light bulbs and the lighting system C by General Electric. I spoke with Jeff about the future of artificial intelligence in the home, and he seemed to describe a world where GE Lighting would leverage data from devices and sensors not made by GE Lighting. In other words, Jeff, like so many of the other interviewees, was describing a layer of intelligence that was dependent not just on their piece of the lighting puzzle, but on the entire ecosystem functioning as a whole. You can walk into a room with packages. You can walk into a room and not think about it. And even go back to the paradigm back from, you know, shows like Star Trek from way back when, where, you know, they would just walk through a door and things would happen. When I think about them as futurists, um, there's certain uh, possibilities there for, for people that I think offer, um, offer more, more benefits. So, yes, we're thinking about adding uh, elements like that to enhance one's experience. Let's talk about those other benefits that, that you know, you walk into a room and a, and a Star Trek type of experience. Are you going to be developing, one, integrations with other pieces of hardware that would allow you to develop some type of personas? So, for example, if you had a sensor, you could certainly geofence a home and you could identify me relative to someone that I'm living with. And you knew that my persona was I needed to sleep at a certain time or I needed to de-stress at a certain time and you could adjust the lightings from that perspective. How granular do you intend to get and how much intelligence do you intend to put into the cloud? I understand how you can change the feeling in a room, but how much do you expect to be able to change the lighting in a room to conform to a specific person, a specific persona? I think what you're describing is the ideal goal for us. And I think it's a matter of it would be an opt-in experience for people to opt into that, that level of granularity. And then it's a matter of us having the right um, sensors and sensing in the space, whether it's geofencing or, or other elements. There are skills available now that can, that can do identification via voice, and there are other tools that can be utilized to give you that kind of granularity so that indeed, I think as you're describing, Andrew, you walk, you walk um, towards your bedroom at a certain time and the intelligence can, can gather, oh, okay, it's probably about time for Andrew to go to bed, so I'm going to um, adjust the lighting um, intensity down. I'm going to shift the color to more of this uh, amber color to enable him to sort of prep for sleep. 
Um, this is where interoperability comes into the mix. Um, proper sleep hygiene, for example, is a combination of different factors. So, you know, who knows what music you might prefer is going to also help you to put you in that mood to de-stress you so that when you do finally get in bed, you can uh, fall asleep more easily and have more consolidated sleep. But I think this I think what you're describing is an endpoint for, um, for for the smart home in the near future. Uh, and I think it's again, as I think consumers get more comfortable with these capabilities, we'll see people opting in for these experiences. If you just think just focus on sleep, for example, proper sleep hygiene can have uh, 10 to 20 components in it. And we can either be highly disciplined people um, and make sure that, you know, we stop eating at the right time. We eat we eat the right foods uh, that we don't go to bed stressed, all these different elements out there. And we can allow technology to help us with that. So that could be a combination of lighting can help you manage your melatonin. Sound can help you manage your stress. Um, Other sensing out there can provide feedback loops to say that these elements from lighting and so forth are actually having the proper impact and or give some insights to help help sort of feed into those those different systems out there. Now, some of the sleep applications in the market today will um, actually look at, look at your breathing patterns to find that optimum time to awake you. So if you set an alarm for seven, there'll be a little gap on there because it, it's it's looking at your REM sleep and so forth out there to say, we're not going to wake you up exactly at seven. We're going to wake you up at 6.58 or 7.02 because that's going to be a more natural time for you to wake. It's going to be less disruptive. And I think as we apply some of the incredible body of scientific knowledge that's out there, we can provide much better algorithms across different platforms and different controls that are going to be able to deliver you a much better result. This is the promise of the smart home. This is one reason why it's so exciting. It's not just these uh, individual point solutions we're offering today. It's that full home integration we can deliver tomorrow that's so exciting. Neil Orchowski is the product development manager of Strategic Alliances at Lutron, which offers smart light switches and dimmers along with the Casado wireless lighting system. Neil also imagines a future home driven by artificial intelligence. And again, if the point wasn't driven home by the other interviewees, he describes a scenario where multiple vendors must collect data in the cloud before any artificial intelligence, what I like to think of as a genius in the sky, is able to work its magic. Some things that you can do today, for example, a classic example is in the bedroom. So you may have one of our Pico remote controls on either side of the bed. Well, you know, one person may may wake up at a different time of the day than the other, and you want to turn on different lights than the other. So maybe you have a button that turns on just the light by your side of the bed because it's 5 a.m. and you don't want to wake up your spouse. Whereas a spouse, she's always getting up after you, so her button turns on all of the lights and you go about your day. And so time clocks can be fine-tuned around what you do, you know, when you come, when you go. And then even, you know, we're seeing things with folks we integrate with, like, for example, with the Google Assistant, it can distinguish different voices to help you manage your calendars. Well, you know, what's the next step there with lighting control um, with the rest of the smart home? Those are the things that that we and the rest of the organization are starting to look at to really add even more value as the smart home continues to advance. Just so I'm clear, so I understand, you were talking before about the fact that I can change the settings on the left side of the bed versus the right side of the bed. I'm asking whether or not over time you're able to develop personas of people, intuit what their preferences are, and without any manual configuration can modify lighting based on personas. 
Yeah, well, I certainly think that's that's where the industry is going. You know, is that something that um, that we have right now? I don't think so. Is it something we're working on? I can't really comment, but I think that's the power of where the industry is today, where you have a lot of smart minds and smart brands that are all looking at this together. And, you know, as a whole, you know, whether it's data coming from the cloud or local data coming from our our dimmers in the home, you know, once this all gets pieced together, it provides a lot of data that can be analyzed, you know, through the cloud or wherever to provide these these personas, you know, intelligently know who's there, who's not, who it is. And that becomes kind of the future of the home where it's almost like, you know, the sci-fi movies you see on TV, that's becoming a reality. You know, the, the Jetsons is, is becoming a reality. And, you know, this is kind of a pitical point where we're, we're jumping over that hurdle to, to move in that direction with all the right technology finally being here. But now the right companies pulling it together. Neil gave us another use case where one day the smart home could essentially fix itself by knowing when something wasn't working correctly and sending out a call for help. Last night I was like, why is my air conditioning not working? Right. And I'm scratching my head. And this morning I'm down near the air handler and it's making a funny noise. And it's like, this just isn't right. Something's wrong. And lo and behold, I, I go outside and I see there's, you know, a cake of ice around my air, you know, my AC compressor. I was like, well, that's got to be the problem now. You know, I guess I better shut this down for the day. But I just left my family at home with no air conditioning on a hot summer day sitting here at work saying, well, what do I do? Do I call somebody? You know, but at least I had something like an app where I could say, well, all right, let me from work, open up my thermostat app and turn on the fan, but make sure the air compressor doesn't run, et cetera, to limp along until I get home. Well, wouldn't it have been nice if I got some sort of a notification that said, hey, something's wrong with your air handler outside, right? Which I don't know that anybody's really doing that today with talking about the outside. It's all about the thermostat where if you kind of take this big picture, your smart home is alerting you to you know, things that are not right, things that are going to become a problem, things that could, if you want to, automatically call a professional that's going to show up at your door the next morning saying, hey, you didn't know this, but your air conditioning is not working. And if, you know, if I was to leave here, you're going to have a really hot house in a couple of hours. Perhaps the best place to learn about collaboration between smart home devices comes from makers of operating systems for the home. Developers of operating systems have the most to gain by device manufacturers integrating into their respective platforms. I spoke with Kit Klein, who is the VP of Engineering at Wink at the time of our interview, a company that produces hubs for the smart home that link together other smart devices within a single interface. He has since left Wink. Wink doesn't offer voice functionality from a dedicated hardware device like Amazon's Echo or Dot, but as Kit was speaking to me, I can imagine a house without any dedicated device for voice activation that would instead speak to me through speakers in the walls. We've been investing in machine learning and AI pretty heavily since our initial inception. The, the end goal being to have a, a home that is really contextually aware, right? Is, is taking care of you as much as you're taking care of it. That requires that understanding of you know, the occupants of the home. Not just to stay at home, but the personalities of the people inside the home and the, the best way to interact with them. And is that part of the configuration now when you set up a wink is to configure personas for each of the individuals in the home or, or not yet? It's not yet. No, but it will be. Definitely. Yeah, definitely something we're working toward. I think there's going to be a, a rise of kind of a new interface for the smart home, probably one that's you know more intuitive and probably layered into new or existing elements in your home that are a little less intrusive than 
a device, you know, sticking to your wall or a, a giant plug hanging off an outlet. I think any way that startups can find a way to bring sensing capability or elegant ways of interacting or notifying users within the context of their home is, uh, is an opportunity. Sensing opportunities of what type of behavior? It could be anything. Any, anything that gives the operating systems of the home more information about the context of the home. It could be traditional temperature sensors and motion sensors, um, leak sensors, light sensors. It could be combination devices. Um, it could also be ways of notifying um, occupants of things that are going on either related to smart home or otherwise in maybe a, maybe a more contextual manner. So this, this is kind of off the cuff, but think of like a NASDAQ ticker that goes across your crown molding in your kitchen. It's projected up there and, and lets you know notifications instead of hearing a buzz in your phone, walking across the room, picking it up, unlocking it, looking at a screen. So ways of, of communicating with home occupants in more elegant and more contextual manners, I think, is where there's still a lot of opportunity to build some new hardware. Sonos, the leading manufacturer of smart speakers, recently integrated Amazon's Alexa voice assistant directly into its speakers. Honeywell has also integrated Alexa directly into one of its thermostats. Clearly, Amazon doesn't want to rely on a future where you need an echo or dot for Amazon to control your home through voice activation. Daniel Rausch is the vice president of smart home at Amazon. If there's one company that has a vested interest in every device working with each other, it's Amazon. And that's why when I interviewed Daniel, his focus was less on artificial intelligence in the cloud and more on the development of the entire ecosystem. We know that we want to be able to offer, you know, personal experiences for different members of a household. And we know that customers want Alexa with them wherever they are. You've started to see some integrations, for example, with mobile phone makers um, that let us bring Alexa out into the world with customers to an increasing degree. So you'll for sure start to see experiences that are tailored and personalized that accompany customers where they go. And I also think that, you know, whatever words we use today, smart home, um, that's not how we think about what we're building internally. What we think about is that we want to help customers control the world around them. Um, and that that's a big part of what Alexa will be able to do for customers everywhere. The most interesting applications in the smart home driven by artificial intelligence will emerge over time as companies have the benefit of utilizing all the data that these devices promise to flood into the cloud. But in the interim, I wondered as an entrepreneur, what opportunities I would pursue if I were trying to start a business around the smart home. Some of the most interesting insights about greenfield opportunities in this space came from Cliff Rosen, CEO of Whole Home Control, a company focused on high-end installations for smart homes. You can't manage what you can't measure. Any businessman will tell you that. And it's true of technology as well. You know, over the last five years, a bunch of smallish uh, niche companies have popped up in the smart home market that have tried to implement uh, management and monitoring systems for the in-home technology, that's going to be huge. That's analytics and monitoring. That's interesting. The analytics is a whole other level. The analytics is to make, make the usage more useful. Look, most of the time when you call the cable company and you report a problem and they take you through two hours of acrobatics, that could have been collapsed down to 30 seconds if they had more visibility into your system. 
It's crazy they don't know the problem. It's crazy they're asking you what the problem is. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy even that they don't know about it before you do. Right. And then when you tell them about it, they want you to explain the problem as, that, as opposed to them just seeing what the problem is. And the end user is not exactly well positioned to characterize what the problem is. If my vision of the future comes to pass where the home is designed to take care of you instead of the home being one of the biggest chores for you to take care of, then where are the opportunities for entrepreneurs to play in this space? Are we quickly reaching a point where every conceivable device for the home has been thought of already and as a Kickstarter campaign? Perhaps, but that really shouldn't scare entrepreneurs away from this space. There will always be a way to rethink a better interface or user experience where a single device can anticipate your needs and address them. Whether it's watering your lawn, improving the air quality, adjusting the temperature, or simply helping you sleep better. But if I were starting a business in this space, I'd focus on the opportunity around monitoring the smart home. I think of this as the ADT for smart homes. For decades, ADT and others like them have made a big business out of providing security systems to homeowners. While they might charge you for installation of alarms and sensors, they don't make their money on setting up an alarm system. Their money is made on the monthly fee you pay. So in the event of a break-in, they'll call 911 and send a police car to your house. In the future smart home, you'll still want to have a security system, which will contact a call center in the event an alarm is triggered. But you're also going to want to be in touch with that call center if you have a problem with your doorbell, your lights, your thermostat, your music system, all of which are connected over the internet. For many of you, imagine the problems your parents face with their computers that require you to provide constant technical support. Now consider the problems that older people are going to have when not just their computers are on the network, but every device I spoke about in this series is connected to the internet. You can imagine a world where the call center is using monitoring tools to observe whether all your connected devices or your parents' connected devices are working as expected, and if necessary, updating the firmware on the devices or modifying the settings. If there's a real problem, this service would send out a technician to your home. Entrepreneurs and wantrepreneurs, if this space excites you, you can expect to see more devices, more analytics, and more companies using artificial intelligence to make your life easier, simpler, and better. The space is so big, and we are so early in its development, that there are lots of opportunities for you to pursue. If you're not a technologist, you can look forward to coming home to your future home that will be truly smart. You've just heard the final episode in the series on the future of the smart home, part of predicting our future. If you'd like to hear other episodes in this series or learn more about the people I interviewed, go to predictingourfuture.com and don't forget to subscribe. This is Predicting Our Future.